from UBC Vancouver. How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? Visit CITR.ca. Derek, it's just a I don't want to hear your excuses! The center has to be at least... three times bigger than this! Welcome to, if you're tuning in right now, this is the Arts Report. You were listening to CITR Radio at 101 FM, broadcasting live from the unceded Musqueam Territory uh, here in the UBC Point Grey campus. I am Lua Presidio, and I have a great show planned for you guys today. We are going to start the show with a pre-recorded interview with Paisley Ava, who is one of the organizers and founders of a really, really cool organization called Dame Vinyl. And you're going to hear a little bit more of what Dame Vinyl is and what's happening this weekend and where Dame Vinyl will be involved. Um, and so let's start the show. Hello, everyone. This is Lua, and I am so happy to be here today on the phone with Paisley Ava. Uh, and she is here to talk to us about Dame Vinyl's performance on Conjuring the Future in the Indian Summer Festival. Hello, Paisley. Hi. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, too. I'm happy to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you do and what the Conjuring the Future is exactly? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, hi, my name is Paisley Eba. Um, I'm from the Squamish Nation. Um, I'm the founder of Dame Vinyl, so we're a nonprofit um, organization that trains young self-identified buying uh, females to uh, DJ vinyl uh, in Vancouver, and then we um, throw parties to promote them and help them kind of launch their DJ careers, if that's what they're interested in. Um, yeah, so we were invited to um, play at Conjuring the Future by uh, Jared Martineau, who's one of the, he's going to be the organizer and host of the night, um, and it's really cool. It's just like a like curated evening of like a lot of different like musical voices from across Canada. Um, there's like a lot of uh, like South Asian, Indigenous, queer, like Filipinx, um, like musicians. Yeah. Awesome. And what exactly, um, when I read it, I was very curious. What exactly is vinyl DJing? Um, yeah, so it's just like DJing, like using uh, like two turntables and like records. Ooh, so like so, old school, like <laughs> the stuff yeah, DJs don't do exactly. as much anymore. Yeah. So, like, we uh, give, like, our dames, like, access to equipment that's quite expensive. We also have, like, a record pool, uh, like, points in the direction of, like, where they can find vinyl for, like, um, like cheaper prices. 
So just really kind of like closing the gap. It was like a very, very like male dominated scene for a while, even probably more than DJing was just because of the cost of it. Um, so just like helping to close that gap is kind of what we do. And what inspired you to start Dame Vinyl? Yeah, well, I started DJing uh, Vinyl in Vancouver probably three years ago. Um, and there was a really, there was a lot of uh, women and a lot of like, uh, organizations doing really, really cool, interesting stuff, um, like DJing digitally, and like we're CDJs, but I didn't really feel like I had a community in Vancouver that I could like uh, reach out to of women who were DJing vinyl, and it was like a very, very male-dominated in this like scene, um, and I felt like I was just like very alone in it. Um, so Dame Vinyl came out of just like a club night that I started in the projection of the Fox called Dame, where I would train, um, like, three of my friends how to, like, DJ vinyl, like, every week out of my living room, and it kind of grew into this, like, massive, massive thing. That's so cool. I mean, yeah. you're opening up so many opportunities for people that probably never thought about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would always, like, say that I really love, like, talking to um, like a new dame, like after they, like they do their first like performance, like they're just so excited and they're like exactly say that that they didn't think that this is something that they'd be able to do. Awesome. And how many people have you trained so far? Do you know? Yeah, I think we're over the thirty mark. Wow. We started in October twenty seventeen. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And what does it mean to you to be invited to an event such as Conjuring the Future? Um. Yeah, it's big. It's really exciting. Um, I think that Jared Martin has a lot of really cool work, and the lineup of people who are doing it is, is incredible. Like, I think that it's really cool. I also love any kind of event that's, like, um, mixing, like, Indigenous music with, like, South Asian music or queer or Filipinx, like, like, diasporic. Like, you don't really get to see those, like, opportunities a lot. Like, I myself as a DJ, like don't really get the chance to like create and play with um like other cultures and i think that's really 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 cool and for this event are you going as dame vinyl like representing dame vinyl or are you going as yourself um i'm going i'm i'm playing it as well um as um one of our dames who just goes as like dj casey um, and there, we, they just had their debut at the Lido last month, and we were, have been working really, really, really hard um, over the last few months of, like, training um, on, like, in our studio, and it's just become this, like, absolute, like, incredible, brilliant DJ. Um, so they'll be playing with me, which is really exciting, because this will be their second show, and it's um, at the Imperial at this, like, huge, huge festival. That's um, so getting the opportunity to like share that stage with like somebody up and coming and fresh and in the beginning of their DJ career is really exciting for me. And how do you think it's like, cause you're talking about training and yeah. I don't know. I just feel uh, very curious about what is training like? What kind of preparations do you have to make for something that's so old school? I like the idea that it's very old school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely like, it's very old school. It's definitely like a scale. Um, like it's, it's about like, um, like learning even just like first like a lot of the times like most of the dames that we have like haven't touched like any DJ equipment before or haven't DJed so like going over like the mixer going over even like um, like how do you play a song on a turntable and then by the end of it in a few weeks um, usually they'll come like weekly and then they're like they'll start bringing their own records and they'll start buying their own records and by the end they're like mixing songs into each other and uh like mashing songs and it's just like incredible to see that like progress happen like so quickly that's so cool um and do you have any plans for the future of dame vinyl <laughs> um yes yeah, yeah for sure um we definitely want to do some more we did uh we've done two shows and kind of like training dates in victoria where we've gone over for like a weekend um so i'd love to do more stuff in victoria i'd love to do like more stuff like around canada like maybe um like i've dj'd quite a bit in toronto before but i'd love to like go out for a week and like do a dame training week like workshops there that like ends in a show and like seeing how we can kind of like mobile mobilize 
not just in Vancouver, but like around Canada, is something interesting for the future for us, I think. And so if anyone wanted to get involved and start, someone's listening to our show right now and they're yeah. like, wow, this is something I really cool and I really want to try it. How can they get involved? Yeah, um, that's a great question. We totally are looking for uh, people to come and join us this summer. Um, Instagram's a really good place to start. A lot of, we get like a lot of DMs. Um, it's just same vinyl on Instagram. Um, so you can send us a message there and also my emails in the bio there. So you can just send me an email also if you're interested. Um, we're always looking for like new, new jams. That's so cool. Um, anything else you're excited about? Maybe meeting someone that you not necessarily don't know from the lineup or something specific for the for the uh, festival yeah um i don't know i'm just like really excited to be a part of it i'm really excited to like meet all like all the artists there i'm also like really excited just for like the whole um like indian summer fest as like as a festival there's some things that i definitely really want to check out awesome well i'm so happy to have you with us today and yeah, thank you so much. I'm very excited to see what Conjuring the Future will look like. Yeah, and I hope that this helps you guys get more people and more people will get interested because this is such an interesting form of art and it's just almost unusual and to get girls, you know, most of the time femme identifying are just left behind and it's really cool to see uh, that inclusivity. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming well, taking your time to do this interview <laughs> yeah for sure perfect bye, bye and that was paisley ava from dame vinyl talking a little bit about conjuring the future which is a festival that's going to happen well as a musical festival that's taking place on on july 6 at 8 p.m starting at 8 p.m. in the Imperial Vancouver. And it should be a very fun night. Another other people that are on the feature performances is Humble the Poet, P-I-Q-S-I-Q, Han Han, Sick Knowledge, Immigrant Lessons, and Chimeric. And a lot of these people are their first time premiering in Vancouver, which is really exciting, really cool. And yeah, I hope you guys check it out. I hope you guys are interested in it. And this is all part of the Indian Summer Festival, which is happening uh, starting on July 4th and running until July uh, 14th. So yeah, check all that out. Uh, Really happy you guys are tuning in. And well, I'll probably be live in like a few minutes. (laughs) And so see you then. Bye-bye. And, well, um, I just remember how much I hate my own voice. But besides that, um, Dean Vinyl was really an incredible uh, organization to even know about. And I'm so happy that I had the chance to talk to Paisley for a little bit. And I hope that if you are a femme identifying out there and listening to the show right now and you're interested in music, check them out. Like, this is such a very old school, very different not something that I've ever think about actually happening. And then all of a sudden, it does happen. And it's very uh, unique. I mean, who DJs vinyl nowadays, you know, like DJs are all about computers. And this taking it back to me is just fascinating. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And now we're going to have an interview with Kaylin, who is the drummer and the vocalist of a band called Civiliano. And they are a Vancouver based band who is who are launching their new album and um, right after that we're gonna follow it by some PSAs and ads and then I'll be right back to talk a little bit more about some other fun stuff that's happening that are happening welcome we have Kaylin here from Civiliana the lead singer and drummer of the band which has been running for you said a few years now Oh, yeah. In this formation of Civiliana, it's been about five years, but we've been playing together for about 15, uh, just in terms of some of the members that have been in it. Probably have some amazing dynamics. I would say so, yeah. I mean, like, 
in terms of the bass player Spencer and myself, uh, I'm the drummer. We've been, I think we picked our instruments up at the same time in like 2004 in music class, and Ooh. so it's been a lot of years of building up chemistry. That's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. Want to tell me a little bit about? Well, I read the press release, but maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the new singles coming out. Yeah, so we just had one that came out uh, on the 10th of June. It's called Void. And this one is a bit more of our hard rock kind of side of things. So mm-hmm. for anybody that heard the single that came out early in the year, uh, in March, at the end of March, it's called Carry a Light. Uh, that one was a bit of our cleaner sound, but we definitely want to feature some of our kind of harder stuff with this one. And so Void really features like this kind of heavy reverberated drum and bass sort of intro uh, that really plays on some like lyrical themes of self-reflection and kind of harkens back to a time of my life where... And most, mostly all the singles have a similar kind of theme. It's just uh, a lot of relationships and things I was going through and uh, just some of the different challenges that came with those. So this song really reflected on the process of sort of losing your identity in your direction and having to sort of look within yourself for, for meaning and things like that. And that's sort of, if you listen to the song, there's a bit of an explosion of sound near the end. And that's sort of that self-realization moment. Yeah, it's a great track. We'll play it on the show. And cool. I wanted to ask you, well, you already stated some of that, and there's also like these two singles that came out mm-hmm. are part of a trio, trio, right. right? And from from what I read and what I heard, uh, it's the kind of that inspiration of uh, finding yourself again at the brink of uh, at the end of a relationship. That's right. Would you say that um, what other themes inspire you to write? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. I think a lot of people in their, their 20s can say a lot of their life is dominated by the sort of uh, relationships that are being built and sometimes broken. And uh, I think these three tracks, they, they do kind of play off with each other. And so uh, to kind of give a bit more like context, Carry a Light is really about that post-breakup phase where you aren't really ready to move on or even process the thoughts of what happened. If anything, you're just kind of stuck looking in a rearview mirror and kind of saying like I want to go back to what I had before mm-hmm. you're not really ready for anything else where void is really the sort of process in the middle of a relationship where you kind of realize something's not right here I've kind of lost myself and I think I need to make a hard choice and those kind of thoughts come from that self-reflection and then the third single that's coming out Melt uh, that's not released quite yet we, we just found the music video for it and it'll be released in August that is about the sort of thing when <laughs> you're you're ready to move on and it's sort of the seeking out new connections and uh, new relationships and sometimes the sort of messiness that goes along with that and, and the fun nights out and things like that. Those are very intense themes. That's very interesting mm-hmm. and also very exciting that all of this is happening. I wanted to ask you also as a musician, like it's so hard sometimes to put the focus on your music. Yep. What are some of the experiences that led you to focus on music more professionally? Like say, this is important to me. You know, I've always... Uh, it's never really felt like something that I had to make a conscious choice for because, you know, thinking even when I first got into music, like when I first picked up, you know, my first drumsticks and started playing drums, like this was something that I've wanted to do for my entire life. And so mm. every kind of pursuit I've ever had has always been with the intent of um, finding time and creating time and space for myself to play music and to write. And so I even think like I do have a professional life where I, I have a nine to five job, but even doing that is just so I can have more time outside of this um, to pursue music. And it's tough to live in Vancouver and pay rent and things like that if, if you want to be a musician in Vancouver. So we, we work really hard. We have multiple jobs, but it's all for the sake of, at the end of the day, being able to create and to write. So it's not like it, it was in a kind of like a backstage and then caught a more central place, but it was always a part of your life. Uh, wanted to ask you also, what place does life performance hold in your life? Like, when did you start performing as an artist? Mm-hmm. I guess it was back in school when you started playing the drums and Spencer started playing the bass. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, there was moments where we were playing in jazz bands and things like that throughout high school. But we really started playing some shows more, like, into our university kind of life. So while we grew up in Kelowna, so I went to the university campus of UBC, UBCO. And uh, they have a similar – I think you guys have the pit here. We had the well. So I think they, <laughs> they play off similar names. But – you know, we played live performances there, but really we knew there was another gear to give. And so we kind of, you know, things slowed down around university and we, you know, people went their separate ways. Spencer went to music school, Adam, our guitarist, had moved to Vancouver. And so we kind of came back together as adults. And it was really at that moment that we kind of said, you know, what is, the, what do we want to base our sound and our, our identity off of? And really what we kind of committed to is like, 
it's just this unwavering sort of commitment to like high quality performance. And when we play live shows, that's what really what we try to do. And so we slide the drum set right up to the front of the stage and it's right in the audience. That's so cool. Face. Yeah, I'm I'm the lead vocalist and the drummer, so I maybe it's just me trying to get more stage time and some more eyes on me. Like, that's what my bandmates might say. But either way, we uh we're really just trying to give like a high energy and memorable performance and, and that's something that we commit to. How does it feel for you to be on stage, especially as a drummer? I know that drumming is very exerting. You know, well, that's the whole thing I love about performances is that you're you're playing out the energy of the audience, right? And so we recently played at the Fox Cabaret, and, you know, it was definitely one of the biggest shows we've ever played. And just to have, you know, like I said, the drum set is right up at the state, like the edge of the stage. And to have the audience right there, like, you know, in some cases singing some of our songs and our lyrics, that's kind of what drives me and gives me the energy to keep going. It's an amazing feeling. Mm -hmm. Um What do you feel the differences are, are between, well, it's three facets of the music, right? Like how you play when you're with your band and yes. like the rehearsing room and then how it sounds when it's recorded and produced right. and then how it sounds on stage. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? And also like the kinds of extra things like textures and vocalizations that sure. you do live? Yeah, I mean, definitely when we went in, we recorded three songs around last year. We've been sitting on these songs for a little bit. We wanted to do them right and get the right music videos and stuff for them. So mm -hmm. last year when we recorded these songs, you're absolutely right though. When you go into the studio, you have a lot more kind of, you know, patience and time to get the right sounds and to add multiple layers and maybe things that you can't do live. Um, but we're finding ways to get a kind of get around that. So I can give you an example is one of the new songs that we have coming on August called Melt. Um, it features this chorus effect on the vocals um, in the verse that Adam, our other vocalist, sings. While he's playing that on the recorded track, there's also this octave lower uh, track that's playing alongside of it, almost like you've probably heard in some like rap tracks like Gold by ASAP Rocky or things like that, where it's like this really low kind of growl. And what we've done by that is when we play live, I sing the second part and Adam sings the other part, which mm. is not how we do it on the studio version, but you have to make compromises and you have to get creative when you do live performances. To get that sound. 100%, you don't have all the tools and kind of things that you have and the expenses that you can do when you're in a studio. So we try to be really authentic. And when we go into a studio session, say, let's not do something we can't do live. I mean, obviously there's times where we have to compromise and say, yeah, yeah maybe this little layer is going to be different than what we do live. But at the end of the day, if we think we literally can't do this live, then it won't be in a studio track. So then you actually do give your uh, listeners, your audience, the same feeling when they go to the live show as when they, like a similar feeling as when they listen to the track on YouTube. I would hope so. I mean, there's differences as well. Like I think when we play live, there is a sort of, there's another gear that we give and there is a sort of different dynamic. It's one of those things that you really just have to see it to understand. And I would hope that if you listen to, you know, a track on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen to music on the radio, that... When you hear that and you see us live, you're able to draw connections. But we also want to give a unique experience, right? It's like it's like a canvas that an artist draws on. Depending on what they're using at that moment is going to reflect what the end product is, right? So when we play live, we have the stage and we have the lights and we have the audience. So we're going to use all those things at our expense to give a performance. When we're in the studio, we have a whole different set of tools. Yeah. So they're always not going to be the same. That's a beautiful way to see it. Do you uh, do a lot of uh, different vocalizations for the, for the vocal parts uh, when you're live? Yeah, um, I mean, we have two vocalists and then um, our bass player and our other guitar player, Daniel Ponich. Uh, they also do some vocals. The bulk and the majority of it is done between our guitarist and I, Adam, and myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, we try, to, we try to play off each other. Like if anybody's heard our previous track, Carry a Light, um, there's a lot of co sort of like give and take sort of parts where I'll sing a part and then the rest of the guys kind of call back to that. Yeah. Um, what's the future for Civiliana? Where do you want to see yourself in a year? What kind of exciting things and events are happening in the next time? I mean, we definitely want to record more music. Uh, these last three tracks that we recorded, while we're super happy with it, we already feel like we've grown and developed a ton, and so we're excited to get some of these new sounds and things that we're hearing in rehearsals mm -hmm. uh, into a studio session. And beyond that, really what we want to do is we want to, we want to play more live shows. Um, I think we've done a really good job playing in BC. Sorry to the island, Victoria. We haven't played a ton there, but we're looking to get <laughs> up there. But we want to play other places. Uh, we really want to go to the rest of Canada. We would love to play Eastern Canada. We'd love to play maybe even like California, Oregon, Washington, like some right of those on. spots. That's really where I kind of want to see us going. Beautiful. And the production on the tracks is really amazing. 
yeah, Ryan Worsley and Matt DiPomponio uh, over at Echo Plant do an awesome job, and we are super happy to work with them. The first time I heard the tracks, like the guitars, the electric guitars kind of reminded me, just the texture of it reminded me of Dear Rouge, and then I read on the press release right. <laughs> that they're also producing them. Yeah, exactly. Which we is a great compliment. I love Dear Rouge. 100%. They're so cool, and that's kind of what it was, is I remember hearing Dear Rouge on, on the peak, I think, and hearing that like opening bass track, and I was like, you know what? If those guys were willing to record, I think there could be kind of a cool relationship here. And we sent them our demo for Carry a Light and got an email back like within, I think, minutes. And they were like, yeah, let's do this. And so it was definitely kind of a match made in heaven. Cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kaylin. Thank you for coming into the studio. And um, you're doing a show on, f on the 5th, right? July 5th? Yeah, that's right. July 5th at the Biltmore. Uh, we'll be playing alongside of a band called Sonic Stones, who are coming all the way from South Korea. Whoa. They're on their first kind of a Western Canada tour. So we're really excited to play that. That would be amazing. Where can we get tickets? You get tickets uh, if you go to our Facebook page you'll or the Facebook event page. Uh, there will be a ticket link there for our Eventbrite. Or you can even just buy tickets at the door of the Biltmore on the day of the show. Cool. Kellen from Civiliana, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Discorder, that free magazine from CITR, has been documenting the best in music, arts, and culture since 1983. <laughs> Let's see what one man of prestige has to say about Discorder. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg, and I fucks with Discorder magazine. How about that? Smoke <laughs> every day. Pick up a copy around Vancouver or fuck with Discorder online at discorder.ca. Forget the 4th of July. On the 6th of July, Cat Solano Street Party returns to West 4th Avenue. This one's dedicated to all the 9 to 5, 5 to 9 hot slides. Join us on Saturday, July 6th from Burrard to McDonald for a free day of music, food, beer gardens, and more. Featuring over 50 bands on seven stages, including Devours, BB, Hey Ocean, Tanya Aganaba, Little Destroyer, and Missy D. The Catsalano Street Party, Saturday, July 6th. For more information and the complete lineup, visit catsalano.com.
that was um, Sevillanos Carry a Light that was mentioned in the interview. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about Shakespeare in Love and this amazing play being also put on by Bar on the Beach. If you don't know what Shakespeare in Love is about, it is reimagining history uh, on how Shakespeare wrote Home Romeo and Juliet. So the story goes, well, Shakespeare in Love story goes, that Shakespeare is having a writer's block trying to write Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter. And yes, that sounds kind of funny. And what's this play about, right? It's very different from the Romeo and Juliet we know. And he ends up falling in love with Viola, this, um, how can I describe her? She is enchanted by theater and she loves theater so much that although women being part of plays was illegal back then, she will do things, go out of her way to be part of that play. And he falls in love with her and they fall in love. And he finally gets the inspiration needed to write Romeo and Juliet. And from there, if you know Shakespeare, you know that Viola is also the name of the main character in Twelfth Night, who cross-dresses, and you see. where There he goes. Um, for Born on the Beach, again, it was a very fun night. Very fun night. Very entertaining. They had a puppy, and... I don't know how excited you guys are about animals, but I get really excited about animals in general. And they had a puppy on stage, and I just got so happy. But besides the puppy, um, amazing play, actors, was, as usual, phenomenal. Costumes, settings, everything, phenomenal. And what I really want to point out about this story is that there is something about Shakespeare in Love that makes you want to keep reread all of Shakespeare. There is a lot of expert excerpts from Shakespeare's plays right into the text of the of the play and the sonnets and it feels watching Shakespeare in Love feels like you're finally listening to Shakespeare right for the first time. Um for I was not a big fan of Shakespeare growing up and Nowadays, I find his work absolutely fascinating and absolutely, it's very, hmm, how can I describe this? Sometimes I'm at a loss of words, but it is something to think about and the way he describes certain things, the way certain things are written and expressed is just, it pulls you in and to watch the love story unfold and to watch them recite those words within a context of an actual love story. It brings you in so much closer and that even if you don't understand all the words they're saying, that is absolutely fine. I mean, Shakespearean language is quite difficult. You're still understanding all the emotion that is being put into it. And to me, well, Shakespearean Love is a play that became a play after it was a movie. So it was a movie first and then it became a play, which is usually the opposite way things go. And there are certain changes. Marlowe has, Marlowe, who is one of Shakespeare's contemporaries in history and also in the play, uh, a fellow playwright, uh, he has a much bigger role, a very, almost a comic relief role, and he's a very, very important character that made me really sad to, sad to watch him go. So in real life, Marlowe died at the age of 29, and in the play, part of something that propels the plot forward is his death. Um, I'm sorry, this is not really a big spoiler because it's part of history. Um, but yeah, it's something that does help the plot and it ch does change things. Uh, but his character in of itself is very fascinating because he's feeding onto Shakespeare. And if you do read the play as Marlowe's feeding Shakespeare so many lines and so many ideas, like... How much of Shakespeare is really Shakespeare? That's the thought I had. Uh, but that's also a debate that people have had for years. People, there are, isn't a lot documented about Shakespeare in about that time. And what is documented is very often flaky. And still, we attribute everything to him. But do we even know who he was? 
But these are all questions that are very interesting to think about. But then they do have a connection to the play. But the play really is truly a love story, but more than a love story, about finding yourself through the arts. And although Shakespeare's Viola love story is essential to everything that happens, their own development as people and as actors and as plays, writes and as writers and lovers of poetry and theater is also so important. And I loved seeing that Viola wasn't just someone to be loved or someone that was loving someone. She was a real live character that had so many distinct features. And I just fell in love with her. Regardless of the story, it was um, also part of the process of falling in love with her. Um, Queen Elizabeth, the actress that played Queen Elizabeth, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm probably not, is also the actress that played Catherine in um, Taming of the Shrew. And I can only say, what a phenomenal actress. She is absolutely mesmerizing on stage. Every time she had an appearance, obviously she was the queen, so there was a silence silence in the room. But also she does have a way of conducting herself that is just, you can't keep your eyes off of her. And so compared to The Taming of the Shrew, where uh, the actress was the main character, in being just Queen Elizabeth was very different, but also very fascinating. Uh, I love seeing that change and it's a very similar class. A lot of the actors are the same. The same thing goes for, um, forgot his name, um, <laughs> Catherine's husband. Um, what's his name? I'm looking through my, my play thing. Uh, oh my. Well, you get it. Oh, Petruchio. Of course, Petruchio. Um, so uh, so Petruchio was also a character. Well, the actor for Petruchio was also a character in um, in Shakespeare in Love. He also did an incredible job. I couldn't keep my eyes off him. And let me just say their names before I forget. So Petruchio is played by Andrew McNee. And Catherine is played by... Uh, Jennifer Lines, both incredible, and although they weren't main characters anymore, it was very lovely to see them in different roles. And uh, besides that, obviously Shakespeare and Viola had an immense chemistry, um, to which my friend who went with me, she was like, oh my god, I believe they are truly in love. Maybe they are, I don't know, but probably not. Um, But you do believe and you want to follow their story. It was a very fun play. I do recommend going to Barnum the Beach. Even if you aren't that much of a Shakespeare fan, it's not all about Shakespeare. Uh, This play does not use Shakespearean language often, except for the actual text taken from Shakespeare, sonnets and plays and etc. But they do use colloquial language and it's very simple uh, to understand that aspect and it's just so fun and it's a complete new world to see. So if you've seen one of the plays for Part of the Beach and you haven't seen the others, my suggestion would be go see them all. They really are truly unique in all their own manners. And all uh, All's Well That Ends Well is also coming up. And that play is a Shakespeare and is a Shakespearean play. Uh also should be very fun. They're doing a very interesting twist on it. Instead of setting it in Shakespeare's world, they are setting it in India. And it should be very, very fascinating to see that and how they do, they represent the culture. Other than that, there's also Coriolanus, Coriolanus, which is a war story. So a little bit more feisty. And let me say for Coriolanus, the special effects for makeup are absolutely stunning too. But besides all of that, my final regard regarding Bard on the Beach um, is if you do have an opportunity to go there, it is very much an experience. It's not just watching a play. And it's completely worth it. And now a time, a little time for shout outs because there are so many things happening and we wish I could cover everything. However, 
we can't. So instead, we're doing shout outs. <laughs> so you guys know what's going on and you have a chance to go out there and see all this, these things. So Blind Tiger Comedy is actually offering this entire summer courses completely for free to new students who are women, trans and femme. And this is very exciting, which means you are you have an opportunity if you are a woman, trans or femme to uh, get these courses completely for free, these comedy courses by Blind Tiger Comedy. And that sounds very, very, very exciting and very fun. And I hope you do take this opportunity to sign up and take this opportunity to experience something that you might have not experienced before. Um, the spas are filling up fast, but hopefully there's still a few spaces available. Um, and other than that, there's also a very interesting opportunity for Indigenous voices. So the National Film Board of Canada and Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival, they're partnering up to launch a call for Indigenous voice artists to apply for this year's 50,000 digital project prize. And that could be hip-hop, rap, spoken word artists, poets, singers, audio storytellers, and podcasters. This is all for Indigenous voice, voice artists that are creating new and digital and interactive experiences. Sounds very fascinating. I hope you do have a chance to, if you can't apply, which the deadline is August 24th, so the 19th, uh, make sure to check them out when they air, The whoever was the finalist for that selection. And last but not least, regarding my shout outs today, um, Viv is putting on again, uh, well, sorry, not again. Well, Because We Are Girls is a documentary about um, these three women who are trying to get justice for their sexual assault when they were younger in India. And so it's a very complicated, very complicated and very intense film doc and doc documentary. However, it does have its funny parts. And Viv is showing it again because it was first launched during the during Doxa. And um, so it's happening this week and next week. Uh, make sure to check it out. It is a very beautiful film. It is a film that is telling a story that is not often told. And if it is told, it is told in a different light. This is a probably a little bit lighter, although it does touch on a lot of very tense topics and it does touch, it does deal with all these very important and difficult topics, obviously. But it does have its light to it. Um, these women, they are not defined by their experiences. They are not defined by that event in their life completely. They are also sisters, they are mothers, they are, they are so much more than that. And this film shows that too. Um, the film director, Baljeet Sangha, is the film director. Um, it was very pers was very involved in all of this and it's just a beautiful way of seeing this story that is often not told and it's at the end of the day it's 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 a hopeful film it's a film that hopefully from all of the cases of sexual assault that haven't been reported this will be the one that this that will go the furthest and that has gone the furthest in years and it will set a precedent for other cases to actually find justice and get there and it's it's a very difficult topic but um so now we're gonna go into a few psas and ads and when we come back we are actually gonna have a interview with thomas chen who is a part of the ensemble for mamma mia which is being put on by Theatre Under the Stars, or Tuts. Uh, hope you have enjoyed the our show so far, and I'll see you, well, you'll hear me in a bit.
everybody's favorite jewel punks, Necking, are releasing their debut album, Cut Your Teeth, on Mint Records. Come celebrate at the record release show with Necking and their pals, Pudding, Emily Toyota, and Bedwetters Anonymous. There are free toothbrushes for the first 50 people through the door. See you at the Red Gate on Friday, July 12th. The AIDS Vancouver Helpline is here to help. Open from 9 to 4, Monday to Friday, the Helpline answers questions about HIV and safer sex. Call to find medical support in your area without giving your name. Run by volunteers, the Helpline is one of the many programs from AIDS Vancouver combating the HIV epidemic in the Lower Mainland. While not medical professionals, our volunteers answer your questions confidentially and anonymously. The Helpline number is 604 696-4666 or contact us at aidsvancouver.org Hey everyone, I'm really happy to be here today with Thomas Chan and he is part of the ensemble cast of Mamma Mia that's being put on by Toots Tuts? Tuts. <laughs> I find it really funny that it's uh, the abbreviation for theater under the, under the stars is Tuts. Because for me, Tuts is like Toots, Toots, Toots. Oh, like the, oh I see. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Music. Totally. But anyway, <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. Um, this year, Tuts is having two very incredible, fun, super fun productions. Um, one of them is Mamma Mia. And the other one's Newsies, um, which is a story about boys that are like newspaper boys that are trying to get their rights in the 1800s or something. Um, 1899, I believe. Yes. There we go. <laughs> and Mamma Mia is the classic. I hope you already love because I love it so much. And I want everyone to love Mamma Mia if they don't already. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. And Tuss is running on alternate evenings from July 5th to August 17th. So be sure to check it out. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about Mamma Mia and how that's going to go. So, Thomas, what exactly is it? What is part of the experience of being part of the Mamma Mia cast? What is the most fun part, do you think? Oh my gosh, the whole thing is just, <laughs> it's such a fun experience. You know, you know, the show is just, it's a huge, like, dance, music, extravaganza. So, I mean, like, a, a lot of the big numbers are, are just so much fun to do. Um, a super trooper comes to mind. Money, money, money. <laughs> Dancing queen, of course. Um, all, all of these numbers, they're, they're so fun to work with and so fun to do, and the music is so catchy, so it's it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. The whole thing is a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. And I've never actually been to Theater Under the Stars. So what is it like? Because I've heard it's open air, but like how yes. much of it is actually open air and how much of it is kind of covered kind of like? It's an experience. <laughs> it's such an experience. It's, it's, um, I, I've actually made it a tradition to go every year, but it's, it's the whole thing is, is open air. It, it's, um, you, it's a thousand or so seats under the stars. Um, you're sitting, yeah, it's, it's big. awesome. <laughs> and there's, there's a barbecue out there. Um, there's a barbecue, there's a concession stand with, with, uh, with drinks, there's a blanket, there's art. It's, it's a whole like artistic experience, but yeah, the, the, the show itself, the theater is under, it's, we're basically surrounded in this open air space with all these trees kind of surrounding us. Wow. So it's, it's almost as if the, the walls are the trees and you're like really yes. embedded into nature. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's it's a really a natural bowl kind of thing. But yeah, we are under under the stars the whole night. That's um, so cool. The stage itself is half kind of covered. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of it that's kind of open and then the rest of it's under this kind of covering for the stage. Um, but the rest of it, the rest of the theater, the whole theater is um, under the stars, literally. <laughs> awesome. And tell me, what is it like to be part of the Mamma Mia Ensemble? As in, what do you think? Because um, outside of the main cast, we all know and love those characters so much. But mm. without an ensemble, there is no Mamma Mia. That's part of the reason the Mamma Mia is so fun to watch is because you mm. want to dance with everyone else. Yes. And so what do you think is like the role? Like what's the most p important part of the ensemble for Mamma Mia? I think... I think um, Really, our director, Shell, uh, who's brilliant, um, really emphasizes the telling the story um, of, of, 
um, kind of the show. And, you know, uh, the, the leads kind of tell a big part of that story, but um, the ensemble, I think, is really important in, in kind of really fleshing out that story and, and kind of making it more realistic. We, we kind of, you know, throughout the, throughout the show, we're like, we're like the wedding guests. We're the, uh, we're the, um, like the hotel, like people who are staying at the hotel. Um, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're the ones who kind of have like these little stories like back and forth that kind of flesh out the whole island, flesh out this, this world that we're in that, um, yeah. So I think the really important part is, is that we, we kind of help establish and, and, and kind of call, like, what's the word? Solidify that world. Um, so when people come and see the show, they, they are kind of immersed in that, this island, uh, this island paradise where the sun never, uh, the sun always shines, never sets. You know, it's it's, um, yeah, we're we're a part of that world. Well, um, I, I, <laughs> being in Vancouver, and it's so funny to think like, okay, you're gonna experience this really hot night in Greece today, yes, and then all yes. of a sudden you're like, oh, <laughs> this is kind of cold. I hope it doesn't <laughs> rain. I hope it doesn't rain. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's. It's, and yeah, you're also a UBC grad st- uh, yes. gra- graduate or grad student? Sorry. Uh, I, uh, I'm a graduate. Okay. Yeah. What did you study here? I studied a Bachelor of Arts in oh, uh, Psychology. Cool. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> I also <laughs> minored in classical studies. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's all over the place. There's the Greek connection. <laughs> and how did you decide to go come into theater and go into theater? And how did this opportunity mm-hmm. to come about? Um, well, I was doing a little bit of... Uh, I was doing a little bit of theater when I was at UBC. I was doing a few courses and stuff in theater. It was something that I've always wanted to do, but never really had the time to do. Um, but um, basically what happened was I, I, I did a little bit at UBC. I, I saw all the main stage shows, basically, when I was here. Um, and after I graduated UBC, I took a trip to London for a few weeks, and mm-hmm. uh, I saw Phantom of the Opera in the West End, which was fantastic. Your heart stopping. It's so like, oh amazing. <laughs> I was crying. It was just the most phenomenal experience ever. And I, I was like, I can't spend another minute not being involved in this in this world, in this musical theater community. So I um, got back on the plane after I finished my trip, and I just went right into auditions um, back in Vancouver. So I just started auditioning for everything that I could get my hands on and, <laughs> and do shows and show after show after show. Yeah. That's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you find your passion, you got to follow it, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. Oh, I love Mamiya so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, so, it's such a fun show too. It's, it's so much fun. And we the thing so is Mamma Mia for me is really special because it was the first musical I've ever watched. Oh, it was the first music of that um, yeah. came into my life, and I was like, I really love musicals. <laughs> I can't sing. Like, that's why I do a spoken word show like this one. Oh, everybody can sing. I we have a song sing. in our heart. <laughs> I can't sing, but um, I will sing. Like, if you think I won't sing, I will sing. <laughs> I'll be like, yes. like whispering it. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> and um, it's like, it's just a very special connection to me, and I'm so excited to see Mamma Mia. Um, especially with Malombia 2 being launched last year, which I cried my eyes out oh. when I watched. Cried my yes. eyes out. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. It's just phenomenal. But I'm actually really curious about Does Your Mother Know? <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Does Your Mother Know is one of the, to me, the most fun song in the entire um, <laughs> play. It's amazing. Because it's um, one of Donna's, so Sophie's, the one of the main character's friend mm-hmm. and she is an older woman <laughs> and she really <laughs> likes um to date younger boys but c- this guy comes up to her uh he's a bartender or something like that yes. <laughs> yeah and uh, uh he's very into her and uh-huh. she's he's trying really really hard to get her yeah. and she's like um you're too young and then the song goes does your mother know yes <laughs> It's so fun. <laughs> and I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit more of like how that is happening a little bit? Ooh, okay. I don't know how much uh, how much of the don't spoiler. Spoil it, but yeah. <laughs> um but it's it's so fun. I mean the whole okay, so the whole musical kind of takes place within like 24 hours. Like when we when we kind of see the first people, it's like the the beginning uh, like 24 the day before the wedding and then we kind of go towards the wedding and then the uh, we end with the wedding. But um, this is kind of like the, the scene kind of takes place in like the morning after there was like this crazy party that was hap- that's that's happening um it's uh, sophie's um uh, bachelorette hen hen night party um and yeah i mean uh, our pepper who's just fantastic he's the bartender he's um 
uh, who's flirting with with Tanya and this is kind of like the morning after and everybody's a little hungover and and um, and then he's he's kind of just like laying it on thick <laughs> with <laughs> with Tanya and kind of being like hey we should hang out <laughs> um, you know like uh, I don't I, I can't give away the spoilers um, but yeah no he's basically just it's super flirty it's super fun um, and it's um, a, a little bit of a comic relief in the second act, um, but it's um, but yeah, it's it's so fun. He's like, <laughs> "Hey, we should hang out," but um, you're like way older than me. But like, yeah. <laughs> but like, we should we should like get together and hang out. And it's super playful. You have all the girls and on one side, and, and all the guys are kind of like, "Ooh, what's going on? What's happening?" It's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, one of the most fun numbers in the show. I'm excited. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm super excited. I think that's all I can say about it. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to rehearsals tonight. So how yes. is rehearsal going? Rehearsal is going super, super well. It's um, uh, We're just cleaning up some things now. Um, we're um, kind of working with the lights and the sound and, and just kind of uh, getting used to the theater um, and everything. But um, it's it's going really well. I think the show is kind of coming together already. And the, the costumes are gorgeous. The music is phenomenal. Um, the set is gorgeous. Like the, everything is just falling into place, and it's it's really really good. And and the company is really fun to work with. So, yeah. And what is the thing you're most excited about this season for Tut? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a hard one. Everything. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to. I, I'm really excited to just perform and and um and be kind of under the stars. It's uh, really it's such a different energy. And Mamma Mia is is kind of the perfect summer show. It's it's like so fun. We get all these fun costumes. Uh, I am excited to see the other show too. I, I, I Newsies. adore Newsies. Yeah. So um so I, I'm excited to to just do it and and, and yeah I'm excited. Cool. <laughs> well, I'm excited too. Obviously, I have a bias. So, um, <laughs> Mamma Mia is kind of my favorite thing ever. Um, <laughs> but regardless of my bias or not, Tuts last year housed over four thousand guests, forty thousand guests, which is really impressive. And this year, they're hoping to have even more people come in. And so, like, that's a lot of people to watch you. Yes. <laughs> And it must be a little nerve-wracking, and a, a very, but exciting at the same time. Yes, absolutely. And there are so many things that are coming up, and uh, hopefully we will also have uh, an interview soon enough with Colette, who is the stage manager for Newsy, Ooh, so we can yes. also have a little bit of a sneak peek into Newsies. Yes, oh, I but love her. Thomas, thank you so much for thank coming, you. and thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time and ha- coming in here and being part of our show today. Thank you, my pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. And um, I will give it back to whoever is hosting today. And bye-bye. Thanks, bye. <laughs> yeah, I say giving it back to whoever's hosting today as if I don't know that I'm hosting today. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, we are running a little bit short on time, so I won't incl- have... I'm going to do a review of the... Um, of the show Rock of Ages tonight, but I will do it on our next show, so be sure to tune in. So if you want to hear a little bit more about this great musical that is being put on by the Renegade Arts Company at the Metro Theater from June 27th to to this weekend, um, to July 6th. Um, Yeah, and that's basically it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Coming up next should be um, The Medicine Show, and see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. Just to live a life Simple measures to survive It's like living should be easy, right? There's always something heavy on my heart Heavy on my mind Falling on me all the time There's always something There's always something Never do, cause